So how many of you heard the press from Tiger Woods? In case you missed it, uh, the media is showing it uh, 24-7. And uh, all you got to do is cut the news on somewhere and it'll be there. Uh, I, I think that uh, society in America, I'm afraid, is getting calloused, getting used to uh, these these confession statements, these uh, I'm sorry statements. I'm afraid that uh, society will eventually get to the point where it says, you know, don't even go through that anymore. Don't, don't have this press moment where you say, I'm guilty, I'm sorry. Because society is getting to the point where they no longer believe these individuals that are so frequent. I, I, as painful as it is to watch, I, I think it's still a good thing in a society that that happens. Because it lets me know that America expects honesty still. That they expect faithfulness still. And when that doesn't happen, there is an anticipation of confession. I, I think that's a good thing. That's a vestige of the influence of Christ in our society. I will see it. I, I think it will pass at some point. As a lot of vestiges of Christian influence has. But I, I don't know if you caught anything what he said. But, but one of the things I, I noted that uh, Tiger Woods stated in his uh, I'm sorry is... He said, I got to the point where I thought the rules no longer applied to me. He knew there were rules. He knew there was expectations that he himself put on uh, personally, that his family had put on him. But he got to the the idea that though I knew these things were right and wrong, I thought so much of myself that these rules didn't apply to me anymore. And I thought, you know, I could get away with it. It hit me there as we've been studying humility... And we've been studying about God's reviving work in our life and seeking Him. That one of the problems with lying, in fact, maybe the problem with lying, is that it is based on pride. It's based on pride and that humility is the basis for confession. And the problem that Tiger Woods was saying was that I was so prideful that I thought I could do whatever I wanted to do. I thought there would be no accounting. There would be no measuring of right and wrong and I could get by with it because, well, I was the center of the universe. All right. Um, now, what gets me is all the criticisms of, of this confession. Everybody has their, their, their view on it. And the question is, was he telling the truth or not? Which unfortunately becomes a question when someone has a habit of lying then you never know when they're telling the truth. But, but it, it gets me these criticisms because it's like, like, they've never sinned before. They've never lied before. They've never messed up. And now they're weighing in on their judgments uh, on this confession. And, and it's really sickening. I, I just, you know, I, I, I kind of get repulsed by it all. And well, it's just, it says, you know what? God knows his heart. He knows whether you meant it or not. I have no clue. And I'm not entirely concerned about it. Because right now I'm dealing with a lot of confession in my own life. And that's kind of the center of things right now. When we're so busy on judging others, it shows that we've got time to spare. We're not concentrating on our own life before God. And so, some of the thoughts may be, well, you know, lying, doesn't everybody do it? Everybody lies to some degree. We hide the truth. 
by my actions or lack of actions or words or lack of words, the, the, the goal is to give a better impression than what we really are. You remember dating? I've, I've talked to you how dating is really just having a, a facsimile of holiness, a, a, some, some fabrication of holiness until you really get married, okay? That you want to look better than you really are and you try to maintain it just long enough until the deal is sealed, okay? And then, all right, here I am. Oh, <laughs> you know. And in the same way that we approach our mate, our future mate, we approach everybody that same way. A lot of ways we date everybody because it's not that we're dating them, we're dating ourselves. We want to put our best foot forward whether it's true or not. Whether it's really my foot or not, it's the best foot I can present. And if it's made up of lies, then so be it. Because I've learned that I can get by with good reputation. Well, well, I want to introduce the next subject. Um, and that is honesty. We've, we've studied seeking Him. We're studying the reviving work. We're, we studied humility. We're going to be discussing that in our small groups. And I'm just saying it, it's going to be based, all that we've done is, is the basis for honesty. If there's no humility in your life, there's little, little reason for honesty in your life. And so, I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 5. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I, I just sense led to take the negative view of this. Let's talk about lying, alright? Um, let's talk about lying. And look at a very sobering account in the New Testament. I mean, this is one of those stories that you read it and you think, am I in the right part of the Bible? I mean, it's in the, in the back part, but it looks like it ought to be in the front part. It's in the New Testament, but it sure sounds like something out of the Old Testament. Okay? It has that type of quality of the judgment of God and instantaneous judgment. It's church discipline on steroids. It, it is... It is uh, instantaneous of what God is doing. All right, Acts chapter five, verse one through eleven. Now, if you know the book of Acts, it's it's really the story of the Acts of the Holy Spirit, done through uh, the apostles, the church leaders, and the, and the church is 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 a baby. I mean, it, it is a new entity. It is a new group. It's now uh, indwelled with the Spirit of God, uh, and and God is working in mighty ways through the apostles. We find that, in, uh, that, there, that there's a, uh, in Acts chapter 4, a, a sharing of their possessions with one another because of the need that was going on. And in, in chapter 4, we, we get introduced to by a man named Barnabas who just sells all his stuff so that he can help people in need. He's called the son of encouragement. And so you've got this atmosphere. You know, can you imagine that? Uh, you know, Greg over here, we, he's, he sells his vehicles, he sells his car. Because uh, George over here is without a job, and he, he doesn't know how to take care of his family. And so one lets go of his excesses so that someone can take, has the needs. And, and it's not just one time, it's happening left and right, and there's an atmosphere of, of people just sharing and no longer uh, getting an identity based on what they have. All right? They get their identity in Christ, and, and so they're free to let go of the excesses to take care of one another. And that's the atmosphere that's going on uh, because the Spirit of God reigns in this church, and, and possessions do not. 
And in the midst of this is a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And they get caught up somewhat in this external expectation, the atmosphere of the church. And they say, you know what, we want in on this. But let's see if we can do it and have our cake and our icing too. Let's, let's see if we can have good reputation in the church. And also let's see if at the same time we can benefit ourselves. Okay? And so they miss the heart of it. It comes back to haunt in a terrifying way. And so let's read together this chapter chapter 5 by Ananias and Sapphira. We're going to make some observations about lying here. And uh, let's stand in honor of what we read together. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he had kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. And after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Maybe see. I think it best just to tell you that as we start, um, as a pastor before you, as a man before you, I am a man who lies. I have a man who has lied. And I have every capability within me to do so even at this moment. I think it's it's important for you to know that. I am not a, a special case. I am like you. And you are like me. And knowing this about myself, I can also say about you that you, even now, are capable of lying. And if you're not you're not, if you're not able to see that, I pray that you will by the end of this time. And so I pray that God will sift from my heart that which is true from that which is lies, that which is honoring God from that which is honoring myself. With that thought of mind, let's look at this text. I want to make some observations about lying. First, that I think it's important for us to observe that you can lie even while worshiping. 
You notice the whole context of this story? Here, Ananias and Sapphira are in a, a church community. They are in from the very beginning. They may have even uh, been party to some of the things that Jesus has done. They may have been listening in the audience as Jesus was talking. Uh, they may have seen the crucifix. They may have been one of those that witnessed the resurrection. That they, they may have had all these things. Uh, we don't know, but we do know they're in it from the, at the early part, in the beginning. And here they have, they have seen a body that is filled with the Spirit of God. They've seen miracles take place. They may have been part of the prayer meeting that was just in the previous chapter where the earth literally shook. We do not know what they were a part of and what they do not know. We just know at this time they were part of this early church. And even so, notice what the context is, is about worshiping God. Uh, there's, there's nowhere in the text where it says that members were commanded to sell their possessions uh, and, and to distribute it to those who are lacking. This is not communism. All right, what this is, is volunteer. They were out of their heart understanding that God is more important than, than possessions. And so in generosity and outworking of the Spirit of God, this church was, was doing this work. But here Ananias and Sapphira are in the midst of this. And giving was normally a part of their worship as anything in life would be a part of their worship. And so in their attempts to try to worship God, they actually worship themselves. Do you understand that can happen here? In your attempt to worship God, you could just be masquerading and worshiping yourself. I assure you, I know this acutely. I understand that for me, because I take a bulk of this time in, in teaching and talking, if I'm not careful, one of the things that often tries to shift into my thinking and slip into my thinking is that let me preach and teach the Word with such clarity, with such interest, with, with such specific application so that folks will walk away and say that was a good sermon that was a good preacher aren't we blessed to have such a one that often invades in my thinking and if I allow these thoughts to continue I'm not worshipping God I'm worshipping myself you can do the same by coming to church and just trying to look like something that you're not. And in the attempt of worshiping God, you're actually worshiping yourself so that people will think highly of you and that you are a good church member. This is the trap that Ananias and Sapphira found themselves in. That even while trying to worship, they are lying and worshiping themselves. Someone brought to my attention that... Uh, if, if we were entirely honest, every time we sang a hymn or a gospel song, some of our old favorites might come out a little different. Instead of singing, I surrender all, we might be saying, I surrender some. Instead of singing, take my life, we might be saying, take my life and let me be. Instead of saying, I love to tell the story, it might be to say, I love to talk about telling the story. Instead of saying, it's no secret what God can do, you could be singing, it is my secret what God can do. Instead of singing, where He leads, I will follow, we might be singing, where He leads me, I will consider following. Instead of singing, just as I am, it might be better to be sung, just as I pretend to be. It is easy 
to let it slip in as it slipped in into Ananias' and Sapphira's life. But notice as we read verse 2, it says, with the, with the wife's knowledge, it's something they did together, they kept back. All right, That word is kind of a rare word. It was uh, used in the Greek version of the Old Testament in referring to the sin of Achan in Joshua chapter 7, where God also had commanded everything that was of value to either be destroyed or used in the temple, and Achan instead kept some back for himself. And this same word is used to describe... Uh, what Ananias and Sapphira are doing. Um, you know, I don't know how this panned out. It could be, uh, you know, he said, well, I think this property is going to sell for this amount. They may have told some people that it's going to sell for that amount. And the next thing you know, they put it out on eBay and a, a price bid war goes out like this Nintendo that came out not too long ago. And bam, instead of just a few dollars, it's $13,000. And think, oh, you know, we expected ten, but now instead it's 20000 But we told folks that we're... Uh, selling it for 10 and so mm, wow they don't know about that maybe I'll just tell them like I have been telling them it, well yeah it sold for 10,000 I won't tell them that it sold for 10,000 plus 10 more and wow let's see what we can do here with this extra I, I don't know how it panned out it could have panned out like that uh, but instead of uh, giving it like they said they would they kept some back and they laid it at the apostles' feet. Notice verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of life, of the land? While it remained and sold, did it not remain your own? And after it sold, was it not at your disposal? What, why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? In other words, look, you know what... You, you, you could have just sold it and given part of it. That's fine. No one was forcing you to do this. No one was forcing you to sell it at all. But now that you sold it, and then you said that you gave all, but yet you didn't, that is the problem. You lied about it. Notice what it says. You've lied not to men, but to God. I think that was such a shock. I don't think that Ananias and Sapphira were really aware of the fact that they were lying to God. And notice what happens as soon as he hears that? Bam. His heart stops beating. He breathes his last. He thought of these words, hearing these words. Listen, another observation that becomes very clear here is that lying doesn't work on God. Lying does not work on God. Lying will work on a lot of people. But it will not, it cannot work on God. And the thought is because we lie to ourselves and we... We rationalize things and we think it's okay because we lie to ourselves. We think God must also be fooled by this. I, I, I think about this. When I first became a believer, a follower of Christ, it was done so because I was convicted that I was not fooling God. Because up to this point, and up to my 14 years, I had learned how to lie and live my life as a lie. I lied to my parents. I lied to the people at church. I lied to my friends at school. I lied to myself. But in May 12, 1989, the thought occurred to me very clearly, very powerfully, I cannot lie to God. And there will be a moment in time when all will be revealed. Our tendency is thinking, I'm not really who I am in these little decisions. 
You know what, guys, we tend to do? We compartmentalize our life. And we say, okay, I'll be this way here, I'll be this way here. But in this little time, I mean, just in the, when no one's, no one's looking, no one's aware, I will make a decision that is against all these other things, but this isn't really who I am. Because it's just you know, a small little segment of my life. That, that's not really me. And so we'll walk away doing something heinous, something wicked that, that is in great odds with everything else. And we'll walk away and look like everything's fine in the other areas of life except for this little area because that's not really me. Listen, you are who you are in every decision that you make. In every decision you are that you make, you reveal who you are. It doesn't matter if anyone sees it, if no one is aware of it. In every decision you make, you are that. Lying doesn't fool God. It doesn't work on God. Because God sees that little compartment, that little that segment that no one knows about. And it does not fool Him. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For what one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, there's some fascinating things that's being said here in this text as we read it. He says, Ananus, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Uh, I don't know if he realized that he was lying to the Holy Spirit. He thought, well, I'm just lying to Peter. <laughs> I'm just lying to the church. I'm not lying to God. Peter makes very clear, God makes clear through Peter, if you're lying to the church, you're lying to God. How on earth does that happen? Well, the church is based on truth. The church is based on the Spirit of God. If there is no Spirit of God, there is no church. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. And, and if, if that is not reigning in their life, then it's just a group of people working together, pretending to be something they're not. What makes a church a church is the Spirit of God working in people's lives together. And so when this one lies to the church, he's lying to the very foundation, the unity, the Spirit that it makes the church a church. He's lying to the Spirit of God the spirit of truth. Maybe, maybe Ananias and Sapphira didn't believe that the spirit of God was in the church. Maybe they didn't really reckon with the reality of that. Maybe they never thought about the real presence of, of God's spirit right here. Do you understand that God's spirit is here? He sees you right now just as he's seen you in private. He's here. Maybe, maybe they believed in the presence of God in some theoretical way. Maybe, maybe he just didn't think they would really know the thoughts of their mind. He, maybe the Spirit of God wasn't a person who knew things and felt things and was grieved. Like, maybe the Spirit could make people die. <laughs> what if today the Spirit of God chose to do like He did Peter's day and appointed a person and revealed your hidden motivation to that person. And they came to you and said, why are you acting this way? Why are you lying? Would that make you think twice about coming here? 
maybe maybe they believed the Holy Spirit was there and real, but maybe maybe they didn't believe the Holy Spirit would punish them. Interesting and ironic, Ananias' name means God is merciful. Wow. God is merciful is struck dead by God. His wife's name means beautiful. Maybe they had gotten so uh, thought, caught up in the mercy of God they thought, well, you know, God is so merciful, there will never be a judgment. Maybe they thought, well, the Spirit of God is there, but He won't really punish us. Perhaps he had a view of God's mercy and grace that says, no matter how devious and how hypocritical I am, God will always tolerate everything. He has to. He'll forgive me. Is that how you think today? I just want you to understand, you cannot lie to God. It doesn't work on Him. Now, Peter says, why has Satan filled your heart? Here's the third observation about lying. Lying links you with Satan. Lying links you with Satan. Now, I don't think Ananias and Sapphira woke up that day and said, Ooh, I'm, you know, I'm really tired of dealing with God. Let's work with Satan a little bit. But how can I obey Satan today? That's not how Satan works in our life. He doesn't, he doesn't usually give us that option to say, Well, you know, you can work with God or you can work with Satan. And, hey, you know, here's what I, well, here's what I can give you. Now, the devil... This is a quote that you'll see in your book this week from Dr. Bill Elf. The devil has success, successfully taught us that lying will produce some benefit. We will be more respected, more appreciated, we'll live more comfortably if we will just cover the truth. At all costs, we must never admit who we really are. Think of how it would ruin our reputation. Now listen, the enemy is lying about lying. His very nature keeps him from telling the truth about the benefits of truthfulness. In reality, the wellspring of truthfulness yields a river of redemptive results. Honesty is as refreshing as a mountain stream and is God's intended means to wash and purify our hypocritical lives. And that is some good stuff. You'll get there when you get to day five. You've got to get to day five. Don't neglect day five. All right? Some of you may have done that. You need to go back today and finish day five, all right? Uh, imagine that. Satan is lying about lying. Well, how does that work? Why, why is that true? Well, you know, I think Ananias and Sapphira, as I said, they, they didn't think, I'm going to agree with Satan. All they had to do was agree with their natural desires, their natural inclinations. All they had to do is, is think of a course of action that would exalt themselves. And that's the same as being allied with Satan. Did you know that? Being Working for yourself is the same as being allied with Satan. Pastor, are you calling me Satan? <laughs> I'm calling your selfish desires the same as Satan's. Let me read to you a couple of passages. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 3 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust, not, the lust of our flesh, that, the indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So when we have desires that is about exalting ourselves, it is the same desires of Satan. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 8. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for the mind set on the flesh is death. 
But the mindset and the spirit is life and peace because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to the law of God for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Listen, you remember how I talked about humility? You're either going to seek God or you're going to seek yourself. Here's the danger. When you seek yourself, you're also seeking Satan. You didn't think you were that bad, were you? Well, it just so happens that your desires are in complete conformity with Satan's. So either seek God or you seek Satan by just living for your desires and making them your master. Now, let me read with you some other texts. Why, why is this linking uh, with Satan by, by lying? Well, uh, there's a lot of verses. I don't know if we'll read them all, but uh, John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is filled with truth. John 7 and 18, He who speaks of His own does so to gain honor for Himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent Him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about Him. You want to live for truth, you're going to be living for God. You want to live for God, you're going to be a man or woman of truth. John seven eighteen. Or rather, John 14, verse 16 and 17. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. When we lie, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. John 16, 13, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. When you go down the path of lies, you are rebelling against the Spirit of God. John 17, 17, God prays to the Father. Jesus prays to God the Father. He says, set them apart, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Acts 20, 30, for even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. 1 Timothy 3.15 If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. When we come in being a lie, we are at odds with God. We are at odds with the Spirit of God. We are at odds with His church. 1 Timothy 6.14 and 15 He is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. There are other verses here. 3 John 1.4, 1 John 4.6, 1 Peter 1.22 Let's us know that at the heart of following Christ is to be people of truth. Now, let me share with you what Jesus said in John 8, verse 42 through 44. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth 
in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And when we lie, we say, Satan, be my daddy. Let me follow you. Lying links you with Satan. And all the while, while we're holding hands with Satan, we say, let me hold hands with God. Let me be so godly. And, and the scripture says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk in light and have not the truth, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Now, he says, you've lied not to men, but you've lied to God. Verse 5, when he heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Great fear came upon all who heard of it. We find that the wife goes into the same mode. Verse 9, Peter gives him an opportunity. Will you confess? Will you be truthful? And she says, no. Yeah, we sold it for this much. She lies. She says, how have you agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down and breathed her last. Let me share with you this last sobering observation. Lying is a capital offense. <laughs> wow. What, what would you say in our society deserves the capital punishment? Yeah, okay. Killing somebody, murder. Lying? <laughs> oh, no. Because we'd all be dead. We cannot bear to do that as a society because there'd no be le- there would be no one left. Who on earth is going to carry out that execution? Well, as I read this passage, God saw it a just thing to let someone die immediately after life. Well, this is where we have problems because we think that fits in the Old Testament, but. Really, in the New Testament, I mean, God is a God of wrath. In the Old, He's holy. You know, the Ten Commandments, the Mount Sinai bit, you know. But in the New Testament, you've got Jesus dying on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, he says to the woman who committed adultery, go and sin no more. I don't judge you either. I don't cast that stone. I, anyway, we, it's like, well, listen. God is the same in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The difference that you see is that the holy wrath that you see displayed so much in the Old Testament and the New Testament has been subjected or or focused on Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can have mercy and we can have forgiveness. But it doesn't mean that God is no less a holy God. God is no less a just God. God is no less a God of wrath. It's just now it's been focused on Jesus Christ, which is why we are forever thankful to Jesus. But at any moment, God says, yeah, I can call you that. I can stop your heart right now. Because it is, has always been his right to stop our heart. He can do it at any moment in time, and God is still just to do so. Because there is sin in our life, and consequently death does come from sin, it is a physical reality that... that flows from a spiritual reality in our heart. 
So, yes, people do die. They will die. They will die of, of all kinds of heinous causes. The fact of the matter is, they would have died anyway. Because death reigns as a result of sin. And if God so chooses to step up the moment and pace, He can do that. He can do that. So, what if God said, all right, I'm going to call the carpenter on line today. Do you understand the only thing that keeps you right now, that keeps me right now, from an Ananias and Sapphira moment, even now, is God's patient mercy. The only thing that keeps our heart beating right now is that God says I'm giving you mercy and if I so choose it can stop if before the sermon ends I kill over and that's it God's still just he's even more just it's evident you can't say oh our beloved pastor he was such a good guy I mean he has a sweet family how can God do that? <laughs> Let me be the first to tell you, as I've said to you from the beginning, this man speaking to you knows full well lying. He knows sin. And if God wants to call the carpet on me, that's God's right. He can do that. But I'm thankful that I've been able to say a few more words Do you understand that all my life and the future is God's? The very heartbeat that you've got now has been given to you by God? And what is so outrageous about it is that we may very well take the next few heartbeats and walk out of here and say, well, that was interesting, and lie again live for ourselves again. <laughs> you understand how merciful God is toward us? The question is, is Ananias and Sapphira a believer? I don't know. God knows the hearts and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But I know that I have done things like Ananias and Sapphira, that I can do things like that. And God can rebuke me. God can correct me. And I pray that He is merciful in His correction so that I can turn to Him. But listen, what if Ananias and Sapphira had a little bit of humility in their life and realized that life wasn't about them, that they didn't need this extra portion to make their life a little bit better, more exalted, that they didn't necessarily need the reputation of the church for them to to feel better about themselves, that all they had, they had already been given by God, if they would come in humility and realize that life was about God, and said, you know what, I don't need this extra bit of money, it's not going to make my life any better, because God's given me all that I need, and so let me do give this generously, if I'm going to give it at all, and give it, give it all to Him. How humility could have served them well. I just want to close in prayer. I pray that God grinds our hearts together. I pray that He grinds your heart at least as much as He's grinding mine. 
to realize that sin and deceit is so much a part of who we are. And the only one that can save us is the Holy Spirit. Who can save us from ourselves? It is God. And that's why I said to you, just as you receive Christ, so walk ye in Him. Just as I said in 1989, I need a Savior today in 2010. I say the same. God, save me from myself. Grant me humility. And grant me truth. And God, may I love your reputation more than I love my own reputation. Don't believe the lie that lying is good. And will serve you well. Honesty and truthfulness is a wellspring of righteousness, of love, of peace that you will not regret. I pray that um, Tiger Woods will learn that and know that. I pray that I will too.